Welcome to Adding Fuel to the Hire, a podcast for hiring managers and job seekers across all types of dealerships. With over 20 years collective recruitment experience, Rowan, Tony and Phil draw upon their knowledge to help you navigate through the recruitment and job hunt process. For more information, head to our website, addingfueltothehire.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. I'm your host today, Rowan Coe, and with me I have Phil Lysiter. How's it going, Phil? Good. How are you, Rowan? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, today we're here to bust some recruitment myths. Uh, funny name, but uh, there's, there's quite a few things out there uh, from employers and candidates uh, where they're concerned uh, or have concerns or there's myths out there about recruiters. So uh, being recruiters and uh, myself being in it for 11 years or more now, um, you know, I think there's a few there that we can uh, squash and, and maybe confirm or, or discuss, um, but why don't we get straight into it? Yeah, yeah, there's a few of these, and um, I think I might just kick it off uh, with our first one here, um, one of those classic uh, recruitment myths these days in particular is uh, it's all done by computers. Yeah, well, it's it is there. Are, there is a lot done by computers. Yes, um, you know, you'd be silly not to utilize technology to your advantage and make your job easier. But in all of those ad- advances in technology and bringing computers in to assist in recruitment, it frees up recruiters to be able to engage more with people, get them on the phone. So, um, while there is technology to assist in posting job ads to multiple websites, um, keeping track of applications um, and and sending bulk communications to candidates. All those things would have taken time from a recruiter previously uh, where they weren't able to actually just get on the phone, call a candidate or a client and give them an update and talk to them about opportunities. Yeah, that's right. So um, the days of, I think um, it's just, you know, you sitting at a desk with a with a landline phone, um, punching in numbers, uh, <laughs> probably well and truly gone. Um, it, look, all these advances and technologies, they um, don't necessarily make the recruiter redundant, but they make, um, the, they enable a recruiter to spend more time recruiting. So, um as you said, job posting is super fast now. It only takes us a couple of minutes, if that, to post jobs. Applicant tracking, we can stay on top of so many more applicants now um, than we would ever have been able to without um, technology systems. Um, you know, bulk candidate communication, we can keep in touch with over 5,000 people, um, you know, every single week. Um, so these advances, they haven't uh, made the uh, the human element redundant, but rather, um, I think they've really allowed us to to be more human, to be more uh, contactable, more approachable as well. Yeah, and I think um, uh, you know the, there's a lot that a computer can't do. So, yes, a computer can read resumes and count the number of times a keyword that you define comes up and gives the candidate a score based on that. We don't use any of that in our work, um, except if we're looking for a specific brand, we might do a resume keyword search, but we don't use that scoring system. And I, I do understand that, you know, large organisations that get thousands and thousands of applications for, for one job, they may use something like that and it might be helpful for them. It's unfortunate that a lot of people might slip through the cracks, but um, a computer can't assess those intangible qualities that... Uh, you know, you and I could do on a on a telephone chat or, or a video chat, uh, or meeting somebody face to face when when that allows. Um, so, you know, they, they they just can't 
tease out information that a candidate may have not may not have actually put on their resume. So that that's a real key personal um, trait that a recruiter can add rather than uh, just handing it over to a computer. Yeah, that's right. And um, there's just this big element of just personal fit um, or personality fit, whatever you want to call it, for um, for a lot of employers. There's the experience, which um, yep, maybe you can you can find it through a computer system, um, but actually feeling having that feeling as a recruiter of yes, this person would fit perfectly into this role. I can tell with the way I've interacted with them and the way I've uh, interacted with the employer. Um, I think it could be a great match. So um, there's a big element of personality in there that's uh, that's still really important. Yeah, well, I've lost count of the number of times that I've told a client, look, this candidate may not look ideal on paper mm. uh, or on their resume, but, you know, you should definitely talk to them because there's just something there that, um, you know, would, I think you would really latch on to. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, there's definitely that human element there. Um, you know, what you said about uh, being able to identify their suitability for the position, it's all also about identifying their suitability for other positions, especially if you're a recruiter and you've got multiple positions available uh, at other clients. You know, if you're talking to them about one role, but maybe they're not quite suitable for that one, but you, you can sense that, oh, actually this person would be an excellent fit for, you know, company B because they've got this experience. So, um, you know, that is something else that a, that a computer can't do. So, um, so yeah, it, it's uh, there is a lot there um, that computers do take off the hands of recruiters, but it is mostly that uh, administrative and repetitive monotonous tasks that none of us ever liked to do before. Um, so we've got more time now to speak with candidates and uh, spend time with them. Yeah, that's right. And uh, what you just said actually leads us perfectly into into our next recruitment myth, which is a must not mention other applications at interviews. Yeah. So um, as a candidate, uh, you're going into a, um, uh, I think this is on, on both sides. So, you know, you've got a candidate side where, you know, you go into an interview and, and uh, you, you know, you, you shouldn't talk about other uh, applications that you've got in the pipeline with other companies, but also from the employer side, uh, not mentioning the other applications that you've had from other candidates. Um, on that second one uh, with the employers, I think, uh, you know, there can be some advantages to talking a little bit about that. Obviously, objectively and generally, you obviously can't identify people, but talking about some of the potential strengths of other applications uh, may tease out some more information from the person that you're interviewing that they may not have communicated or potentially may not have even realised was a strength. Uh, you know, the interviewer might say, oh, we've interviewed this other person, they've got, uh, you know, Adobe Photoshop experience, which, you know, it's not something we ask for, but, uh, you know, the fact that they've got that means that we we don't need to outsource this particular job. So, you know, that's an added bonus. And then that person could actually say, well, actually, you know, I in my previous role I was solely responsible for Photoshopping things, so, you know, I've got that experience. So it can be a good way of bringing out more information uh, for a candidate and just elevate them and, and get them back in the running because if you're focused on some of those other things that maybe uh, weren't talked about in job ads or job description, uh, you may lose sight of uh, what you're actually looking for there. Yeah, that's right. And um, I've had candidates ask me this before, you know, how do I stack up against, um, you know, the other people that have come through? And um, you have to be prepared for that question as an employer. Um, and it is actually a really good question to ask, I think, because it can manage expectations. Yeah. So um, it makes the recruitment process much more transparent. And um, you can sort of explain to them, look, you know, um, we think your application is really good. You've got some really strong points um, here and here. 
Um, we have had some up other applicants who've had experience in these and these sort of areas. So um, it helps them to sort of understand, okay, this is how I stack up. This is probably the amount of time or the amount of, you know, thinking I should invest into this role. And um, yeah, it just makes it much more transparent for, for the candidate and for the employer as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, this one comes up a little bit. Uh, we see it uh, quite frequently. Uh, hiring multiple recruitment agencies will basically get you a better result. Um, that's the myth. Uh, unfortunately, we don't believe that to be true uh, for a number of reasons. Um, why don't you talk us through your thoughts on that, Phil? Yeah, so the second you engage multiple agencies, uh, you are essentially uh, starting a race. So yep. everyone is now racing to find the best possible people uh, for this role as quickly as possible. And when you race, you tend to cut corners. So um, unfortunately, it ends up in an incomplete search of the market. Um, you know, I've had, um, I've, you know, we've all run campaigns where um, the perfect person came through on day 28, you know, it wasn't on day one or two. Um, the, other, the other thing you have to think about is, you know, how, how well did they really analyze applications and how much they really, uh, how much time did they really spend with the applica applicants themselves? Um, so you've got to remember having multiple people work on it is, is not necessarily the best idea simply just because you are still competing for the exact same amount of talent, right? Um, the, the, the talent pool doesn't actually increase by using more recruiters. You're just putting more pressure on each recruiter individually uh, to get as big of a portion of that talent pool as possible. Exactly. And, um, you know, the, the, the cutting corners and rushing uh, really does affect the quality of service. I mean, candidates aren't appraised properly for the role, so, you know, they might just give them a quick two-second call on the phone. Oh, yeah, I'll, I've got to get you in there real quick because, um, you know, they're looking at applications from other agencies as well, so I need to send you off today. They might pressure them, and then that candidate may not be interested long-term because uh, they weren't really 100% sure on the role anyway at the start. So I think it is important to, uh, whilst, you know, we understand that, People want to get a result uh, and they think that increasing that competition will get them that result and, you know, it, it might. Um, but at the same time, there's just going to be a lot of, um, yeah, cost cut of corner cutting rather and, uh, yeah, just trying to get to that uh, that candidate that's the same candidates. They're all there for the first agency that you engage um, but they're all trying to find that one person and it can be, uh, can be ruthless and, and uh, really get you a, a negative result. Yeah, that's right. And the other thing I think it can do as well is that, um, you know, not all agencies love working on roles that other agencies are working on. And um, if you happen to get a few agencies that all realize, oh, well, I'm competing with all these other companies, um, you might actually shoot yourself in the foot by uh, doing that simply because the agencies will go, well, you know, clearly this isn't a real relationship here. They're mm. clearly not, you know, respecting us enough to um, give us the role and to really, you know, let us work it. Um, you know, we're not really that motivated to work on it anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, you may end up with, with, with no candidates as a result. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important to have those people motivated and I think a positive motivation is, is a much more effective tool for sure. Yeah, that's right. Another one that comes up is, uh, you know, if you're uh, an employer and you're recruiting, um, you know, and a candidate doesn't work out or they don't, um, you know, they they pull out of the process or whatever, they might say that there's plenty plenty more fish in the sea, uh, which I, I think is a little bit short-sighted. <laughs> um, even though in in COVID times that there is an increase of, of candidates available, they're not all 
the suitable candidate and especially in a specialised industry like ours, uh, you know, having somebody with particular brand experience or experience uh, in a particular field that you're looking for can still be quite rare and hard to find and then even having a good one of those might even be rarer. So, um what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so look, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just gently ignore the COVID economic impacts uh, for just a second. Um, over the last 30 years, um, unemployment has declined from 10% to 5%. Um, there are far more jobs in the market than there are people. Um, I know that obviously the COVID pandemic has really um, freed up some talent. There's uh, a lot of people that have been made redundant, um, although I don't think that will last forever. I think this is... Uh, uh, probably only a temporary increase in the talent that's available. Um, and realistically, long term, I think we'll be looking at um, what we've been looking at so far, which is there's just too many too many jobs, there's not enough people to do them. Mm. Um, for the mechanics side uh, in particular, I think um, the latest estimations were something like 20,000 people short um, of what the industry actually needs. So um, yes, there's uh, there are candidates out there, um, but the attitude of, oh, you know, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Um, we'll drag your recruitment process out. It'll damage uh, your brand. It'll damage you. And um, you'll really slow down your business. That's right. You've got to really treat every application as if they're the, the one that's going to be uh, working with you. You want to give them a good experience uh, through their application process and uh, and make sure that yeah you, you keep them uh, informed and updated about the process so that you don't lose them because they just aren't plenty more fish in the sea, especially if you're looking for a specific type. So yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's really important to keep them engaged, um, particularly when we talk about the plenty of fish in the sea example. And um, the other thing that's really important as well is just to remember, you know, you have to be a little bit flexible. Mm. Um, don't let your hire walk away over something as arbitrary as 50 cents an hour. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's not worth it and um, you're, you're, you're the one who's missing out at the end of the day um, with the market situation. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And I guess related to uh, that myth is, is the myth that the perfect employee is out there, um, which in most cases they're not, uh, or at least not at the right time. <laughs> so Correct. Um, yeah. So they, they, this unfortunately doesn't really exist. It, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but sometimes it does. Um, so sometimes you get super duper lucky and you have someone who comes through and um, they've got your brand experience. They've done this exact job um, at a competitor for the last few years and they're just looking for a change of scenery and you manage to, to snag them for, at, the, at the right price and everything works out really well. And that is great if that happens, but often that doesn't go down like that. So, um, you know, as much as we don't want to say, you know, just take whoever, because you shouldn't just take whoever, you should take someone who's qualified for the role. Um, sometimes you need to uh, maybe lower your expectations a little bit in terms of previous experience and think about how much is previous experience actually needed. How much do we actually need someone who's got brand spe specific experience versus someone who's willing and motivated and who's had exposure to the industry, who's done this role in, in a similar in a similar way at, at a different at a different dealership maybe with uh, different brands, uh, maybe we should look at someone like that. Yeah, definitely. And, and waiting for that perfect employee can really drag out the process. Uh, time that could be spent training somebody who has 90% of the skills or requirements for what you're looking for. So, And, that, and they may have other benefits that you haven't seen yet. They may, they may be a great employee 
that doesn't have your brand experience, but that's easily trained. So just keep that in mind as well. You, you, you might wait six months to try and find somebody with your brand experience or, or a specific experience that you really want for that perfect employee. But in the meantime, you know, four months ago, you could have taken this candidate who by now would have been better than the perfect candidate. Um, so that's that's worth considering as well and, and really identifying, um, you know, that candidate. What What is it there that's maybe not, you know, what makes up the, the uh, difference of not being perfect and is that something that you can actually mould and, uh, and train? Yeah, that's right. And this is, uh, particularly this point, is something to keep in mind uh, more and more as you go into more regional areas. So the more regional you get, generally the, the tougher it is to, to find people. So, um, you know, the further out west, uh, say in Queensland you get, the tougher it is to attract people to get out there. Um, so you really have to think about, okay, this is what we really need. What are we willing to compromise on and what can we actually teach the person? As long as they've got these and these attributes, um, you know, what can we really run with and um, go from there. And uh, another one that I've seen uh, a few people say is, you know, all you need is a job advertisement or, or a job ad uh, and the applications will come in. Uh, I think uh, these days it's a lot more complex than that, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, um, look, only a small portion of the market is actually looking for a job actively. Yeah. Um, yep, you might grab someone off, off, off a good job ad, definitely. That's happened before. It happens all the time. Um, but a large portion of the job market is actually passively looking. Um, so they're, you know, they're not going onto job boards and hitting refresh every half an hour. Um, if something interesting is presented to them and something challenging that uh, sort of you know, spikes their interest, um, they they would consider consider applying. Um, but on a day to day basis, they're happy with their role. Um, they're happy with what they're doing. Um, so a job ad is only a small portion of the process, really. Exactly, and and LinkedIn research uh, that I read said that only fifteen percent of fully employed um, individuals are completely satisf satisfied in their role, um, in that they're not they don't want to change. Um, however, only twenty five percent are actively looking for a new job. So that means that according to LinkedIn, sixty percent of working people uh, would be willing to consider changing a job, but they just haven't bothered looking. That's right. Yeah, and um, I can't remember this. The uh, statistic off my off the top of my head, but I remember, um, I think it was LinkedIn as well. Um, they were talking about being approached about an, uh, a genuine opportunity, and they said um, it was a very high percentage. I think it was about eight out of ten or nine out of ten people were always happy to be approached about a new opportunity on LinkedIn, um, particularly when you're the employer uh, approaching them, um, particularly when you're saying, "Hey, um, I just saw your profile on LinkedIn. You look like you've got some great experience." Um, we're actually recruiting for someone um, for this and this position. I thought I'd get in touch, see if uh, you'd be open to, to looking at a new opportunity if we could uh, entice you to, to have a chat with us. Yeah, and, and the job ad is just the first step. So, you know, the, the, you need to tap your own network, try and extend your network and try and find other people like through LinkedIn and maybe other networking events or your competitors, um, you know, trying to find those other people. So you need to be proactive in looking in other places as well. And other social media like, you know, Facebook and Instagram might be uh, suitable if you're probably more customer focused. So if you want to convert one of your customers to an employee, that might be a good option as well. Uh, but yeah, the job ad is just the beginning. Um, and yet you've got to be out there, you've got to be in the market, uh, but there's many other avenues that you've got to look at as well. Yeah, and I think um, another another one of those myths is that um, recruiters are lazy. <laughs> They'll just read CVs and then they send them off to employers. That's right. And look... Uh, is it? 
<laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it's right that people say that. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I mean, yeah, so, sure, there are certainly recruiters and, and I've come up against them that just do that. They don't even call a candidate and they send their resume on. So, uh, yes, it does happen, um, but you want to align yourself with a recruiter that, uh, you know, does value your privacy uh, and does value your application, somebody who's going to spend the time with you to get to know you and understand and uh, be upfront with you about whether this opportunity is um, the right job for them. Uh, I'm, I'm quite happy in an interview with a candidate, you know, after I've spoken to them for 15, 20 minutes and just say, look, you know, yeah, I think you've got some great experience, but I just don't think it's going to be quite what they're looking for and we don't want to sort of waste your time with it. So, you know, being upfront with them and, and you know, the, I've never had anybody say, oh, that's ridiculous or, or get angry. Um, you know, it's uh, having that open communication, just being honest is is welcomed by candidates. So uh, I think align yourself with a recruiter who is genuine and wants to um, actually help you uh, is probably the best way to avoid that. Yeah, that's right. And I think a, a good way to do that is to try and go for someone who's uh, focusing on your specific industry. Um, reason for that is A, they'll be a specialist. Uh, they'll actually know your industry. They'll know what you need and they'll, they'll need to know what you're looking for. And um, the other thing is they've got a reputation that's on the line. So um, if you just focus on one single industry, um, you want people to know you and you want people to think well of you. And uh, if you don't do a good job, it tends to spread uh, word tends to spread fairly quickly. So um, aligning yourself with someone who uh, focuses on your specific industries can be a huge plus for you um, in terms of market reach, you know, the amount of candidates you might know um, that are all specific to your industry and also in terms of uh, their honesty and their transparency. Yeah. And from an employer's side of it as well, you know, they, they might be the ones thinking that recruiters just flick resumes over that, um, you know, get applied on a job board. Um, but again, it's, you know... Those aren't real recruiters, um, you know, and that's not recruitment. That's uh, resume screening, uh, which, which is not – I mean, it has its place, but that's not necessarily what you want. And I think, as you said, if you go with a specialist recruiter uh, whose reputation is on the line, um, they're more likely to find that person who's the best fit because they'll spend the time with those people and, uh, and send them over. And quite often those specialist recruiters like us – have a relationship with candidates that can be five, ten years old. Um, so, you know, they know that person. They can put you in touch with people that they've known for many years who they know, uh, you know, they pick up the job and like, oh, I know John Smith uh, who I spoke to five years ago about this role or this other role. He'd be actually perfect for this job because you know him. Um, so that's where a recruiter can really, um, you know, ha add some value. Yeah, yeah. So I think bottom line, a good recruiter is, uh, is meant to save you time and it's meant to save you money. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, add value to your business. Exactly. And I think that's a pretty good spot to end it today. So um, thank you for your time today, Phil, and thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back again next week and we hope to see you then. See you then. Thank you for listening to another episode of Adding Fuel to the Hire. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear us talk about a particular topic, why not send us an email at podcast at addingfueltothehire.com. If you like what we do and would like to support our podcast, please leave a review on your podcasting app of choice. For further information, please visit our website, addingfueltothehire.com.